Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast. As always, I'm Petey. Along with me for this audio-only edition is Craig Morgan. But we have a special guest today. The, the Coyotes are, are facing off against the Minnesota Wild on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So we thought it was time to check in with those folks from Minnesota. And let's bring in Joe Smith, who covers the Minnesota Wild for The Athletic, and he also covers the NHL. Joe, welcome in, and thanks so much for your time. No problem. Looking forward to a fun Valentine's Day at uh, the party barn. (laughs) Yeah, the the Minnesota Wild versus the Arizona Coyotes. People will be screaming to get tickets for that one. Hey, Joe, I'm going to start off with the important Minnesota questions because uh, as people here know, and you may not, I am from Minnesota, so this is really important to me. I'm not so concerned about the Wild, but I do want to know, one, do you partake in, in the amazing delicacy of Minnesota walleye? And if so... Where is the spot for Minnesota walleye in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area for you? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, um, I haven't experienced it as much yet in Minnesota. I did have it when I was in Michigan um, all those years. but um, So I don't have a specific restaurant to get it from, though I know uh, Lake Elmo Inn is a great spot that they do have have, uh, walleye um, there, and they have different, whether it's, you know, fresh fish, or they have a really, really good menu overall. That's a good little spot. Um, so that's a, definitely a spot place I would, uh, if I were to go that route, probably go there. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little, a little spot that I like, and, and and it's got a little Northwoods feel. It's like a Northwoods cabin. It's the the Tavern on Grand. The fish is. I mean, you can get the walleye trio, and you can get it prepared three different ways. So you cannot highly recommend it. Every time I went in with the Coyotes, I would swing by the Tavern on Grand. So so put it okay. on your list, Joe. And now let's get my Minnesota questions out of the way. They just had Minnesota Hockey Day in World Minnesota. It's been all over the state. It's a really good event where they 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 really highlight the high schools, um, girls high school, boys high school, and then they finish it off with a game at night um, with the Minnesota Wilds. So it's a really important day. Um, did you get an opportunity to go, or do you have any any thoughts about Hockey Day in Minnesota? Well, I heard all about it before I moved here a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, it's definitely an incredible event, three-day kind of festival, not just hockey, but showing off kind of the, each city's kind of heritage and favorite things to do in those cities. Like War Road's obviously way up there. Um, TJ Oshie was just in town um, and was raving about wishing he was going to be able to be there for uh, right, right during the bye week. He thought he could make the, they had played the game night before, couldn't get there. But um, obviously, uh, hopefully they go there next year, having the road the last couple of seasons when they've had it. 
Uh, between that and the high school hockey tournament, state hockey tournament in uh, uh, St. Paul is definitely on a bucket list thing for me as well. I'll cover the Frozen Four here um, coming up in April, which will be great. Yeah. Um, but definitely um, Hastings next season um, is the Hockey Day Minnesota site. And every year it's kind of a fun thing where people try to guess where it might be and they have a big, big kind of re- reveal on social media where it'll be. So looking forward to it. Hastings, of course, the birthplace of former Coyote Derek Stepan. So I wonder if Step will be there. Anyway, Petey, by the way, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't mention the tavern's claim to fame when you, when you were. Yeah, well, they, they also fed Mikhail Gorbachev, and it says um, the fish that fed Gorby on their wall because uh, he wanted to go to the restaurant, but he was at the governor's mansion at Perpich's um, governor's mansion. They actually brought the fish from the tavern on Grand to the governor's mansion to feed Mikhail Gorbachev. So there you go. You can't miss it. It was an opportunity to poison poison the head of state, and they uh, and, they, and they missed it. They just gave him really good walleye instead. All right. That's how uh, that's how it goes for Craig on the road. You know, any city he goes to, he gets to serve him in the favorite place. They bring him to his hotel room. You know, so it's uh, <laughs> yeah, we know we know they get service. it delivered in room service, please. Here we go with my reputation again. Okay. All right, listen, uh, we're recording this podcast on a Friday just to let people know. So entering Friday's games, Minnesota Wild tied with the Coyotes at 49 points, five points off the playoff pace, and trailing five teams for that final Western Conference wildcard spot. I don't know if the right question is to say what's gone wrong with the Wild this season, Joe, but when we looked at it, when many people looked at this team at the start of the season, we all assumed that this was a playoff team. So what's your overall assessment of the Wild to this point in the season? Well, I mean, definitely disappointing. Um, I mean, I think like yourself, I think, they came up two straight hundred point seasons. Um, they lost in the first round again last year to Dallas, up two games to one in that series. But people thought, you know, they would be able to be a playoff team. This they are definitely better than team that than that they've showed on the ice this year. I almost feel like it's been three seasons. Like the beginning of the year, uh, Dean Evanson was fired late November, went on eleven and three run with John Hines in his first uh, month and a half as head coach, and then now on a six ten and one stretch as we talked this, this morning. So. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to get a read on this team. They were in a playoff position December 30th, heading into that game in Winnipeg. Kaprizov went down, Gustafson went down, and then kind of that's kind of started a little more of a tailspin where they were, had their mojo, they were playing really well, and then their best player and then their number one goaltender went down at the same time. So injuries can definitely make it feel like if you're maybe Bill Guerin, a lost season because of what's going on. Like Spurgeon's been out most of the year. He's done for the season. Brodeen, another top defenseman, has been – out off and on, um, you know, so it's Kaprizov's been um, injured um, for a decent part of the year. So um, they don't have the depth, as we'll mention later on with the cap situation. So uh, you lose those guys, it's hard to replace them. Let's talk Kaprizov in particular. I, I think I remember you and Mike Rousseau talking earlier in the season about how he wasn't necessarily producing at the, the clip expected. What's your overall read? And you mentioned the injuries as well. What, what's the overall read on his season? Has he lived up to expectations after that incredible year last year? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely their, their superstar. And I still, you know, maintain he's one of the top 10, 12 players in the world if he, when he's at his best. Um, uh, like in the beginning of the season, he wasn't like he wasn't, you know, playing or, or working hard. It's more so he wasn't delivering those kind of magical moments that they're so used to showing uh, here in Minnesota because, you know, their team that needs a guy like that to kind of put him on the back at times. And in the beginning of the year, there wasn't en- enough of those kind of moments. And uh, you saw it in their 11-3 uh, stretch. It wasn't coincidentally um, that him and Matt Boldy played some of their best hockey of the season. Um, you go as far as your best players take you. And then even in the more recent stretch, when they won on the road um, in 
in Florida and in Carolina, two tough buildings to win in. Um, he has two goals in one game, another big goal the next game. So um, he's had those moments this year, haven't been quite as consistent um, as he or I'm sure the, the team would like. But um, now that he's healthy, um, they're hoping that he can help carry them a little more in the stretch run where, like you said, they're five points out, five teams in between them in a playoff spot. So um, any kind of losing streak here will put them in a really tough position um, heading to the deadline and beyond. Talk about another. Oh, Hang on one second, PD. I got one follow up here. Um, when, when you talk about Kaprizov and, and maybe not being as, as consistent, um, is it more attention from the league, a, a better read on what he likes to do, his tendencies? What's at play there, do you think? Well, I, I definitely think that there was a, a more shot first mentality when he was at his best in that 11 3 stretch. And then obviously the more recent one when he came back from his injury. Um, you know, uh, teams obviously are going to focus on him a lot. Um, because he is their most dynamic offensive player. Uh, and I like the lightning where they have, you know, point Kucherov, Stamkos, a lot of a little more depth in these lines. Um, the Wild have been, in a sense, top-heavy team in, in certain ways with uh, him revolving door at center and, and Zuccarello. And then, you know, Boldy has had his hot and cold moments this season. So, um, you know, it's part of it is the shot first mentality mentality aggressiveness. Part of it is like his, his, the chances that he was getting weren't going in compared to ones that were last year. Um, but it's never really been his motor. That's never been an issue for him. It's more so um, there were questions earlier in the year that he had that injury late last season. Um, wonder if he fully recovered from it. Um, he had injury. Uh, Logan Stanley had an awkward collision with him in Winnipeg. Of course, in the midst of most of the last part of the season, he returned for the first round, but wasn't himself. And then, um, but anyways, now he's back to his full strength and, and they're hoping that he can be um, that guy that they need him to be. Yeah, and, and he he is the guy that really needs to carry this team. But I want to talk about another player that's been actually a little bit of a bright spot this season in a season that this team is struggling is Golden Gopher, former Golden Gopher, mm-hmm. and Logan Cooley's teammate Brock Faber on the back end. He's had to play extra minutes because you talked about the injuries to Spurgeon and Brodeen. But now he may be the only real competition, if you can call it that, um, for with Connor Bedard for Rookie of the Year. Was this expected to have this kind of a season? Is this a surprise how well this kid is playing? And what has he added to this team? Well, they expected him to kind of step in for Matt Dumba, who's now with the Coyotes, obviously, in the top four role. Um, he, he showed some impressive signs late last year uh, after Frozen Four when he got brought in um, in the playoffs. He made a game-saving play uh, on the road in Dallas. You can really see a sense of maturity. He ended this year, and he stayed in the hotel and training camp saying he didn't want to take it for granted he'd make the team which seems kind of crazy now to think about considering he's playing like 24 minutes a game. Um, but I think to be honest, I don't think anybody would expect him to be um, arguably their best player on a lot of nights, um, but he's been terrific. And I know Bedard will be hard to beat for the Calder because of him living up to the hype as an 18 year old. Um, but you, you made the argument that no one's been more important to their team as a rookie. No one's played more meaningful minutes this season than Brock Faber. Um, so uh, where would they be without him? I don't know um, because he plays nearly half the game on a lot of nights and plays in the most top power play, um, top penalty kill um, against top line. So it's impressive and um, they better enjoy him on this entry level contract guys. Cause it's going <laughs> yeah. to get Jake, it's going to get Sanderson kind of money, I think before you know it. So um, all that cap money that they had planned for in a couple of years when Parisi and Suter are, off the books uh, could be going. A lot of it could be going to him and Kaprizov. So, 
You talk about it. It's funny, though. This is kind of like the Minnesota Wilds recipe. They get the hometown kid, the Minnesota native, plays college at the University of Minnesota. Like it, It's all of those things that you want to have for a Minnesota professional athlete. You go about all the way back to Neil Broughton, and you go, that's, that's what Minnesota hockey fans want. They want to root for that hometown kid. So I'm really happy to see things working out. It, I just want to switch gears a little bit, though. You talked about Parisian Suter and, and their cap hit on this team. And we've heard for years here. Oh, this team is really going to be good. And this team's really going to be a playoff team. They're really going to make a push when Suter and Parisi are off the books. Um, do you think that's true? Is that really what this franchise is waiting for to get? Because really it drops off after next season and they're still there, but it, but the hit isn't nearly what it is now. Do you think that's really going to have the impact that, that management and ownership thinks it will? I mean, I I think they're bracing for the idea that you'll, they'll have money to spend, or they'll have some more flexibility, but it won't quite be like this big shopping street that they can have at that particular point. Um, when you have the consideration of, you know, Kaprizov's next contract, uh, Faber's going to go for eventually the little deal and somebody with $8 million, or I don't know what he might make a year. Marco Rossi will be up uh, to at that point. Jesper Wallstedt, um, the goalie of the future, will likely be in the NHL lineup and coming off his entry level deal. So they just signed three veteran players this this uh, past September, Zuccarello, Hartman, and Foligno, um, to multi-year extensions. So a couple of those guys will still be on the hook. I think Hartman and Foligno at least will be on that $4 million range um, that time. So all of a sudden that starts eating into that big number that they thought they'd be having. Obviously the cap's going to go up this next year, and they're hoping they'll go up ne- the following year by 4 or $5 million as well. So they'll have more flexibility, but you also have to look at there's not going to be Unless Leon Dreisaitl decides that in free agency that he wants to pick one place he wants to go and it's going to be Minnesota, they're not going to be that bona fide free agent that's out there that you think. Um, you know, Brock Nelson, or I'm trying to think of who else would be available at that particular point. Um, but it may give us flexibility for trades and adding somebody another contract, but um, it won't be like all of a sudden they're going to be able to outspend all these teams by a massive amount because they'll have to pay for their own players, which have earned it. Um, Near the favors of the world so um it won't be the, the saving grace but they you know they'll guarantee felt that this team is competitive enough and they he likes the core that they have and now it's a matter of the core kind of rewarding that faith because that's who they're not say stuck with but that's who they have here for years going forward there's not a lot of guys that are going to be coming off the next couple of years all right joe you mentioned billy garen so let's let's talk about him he was just named usa hockey's gm for the four nations face-off and 2026 olympics uh, first off, what's the p- public perception there of Bill Garen and the job that he's doing so far? Well, I think, quite honestly, it's kind of amazing kind of what how a difference a year makes. Uh, I think he's always had a lot of uh, positivity from the fans and uh, obviously a big name to run this organization starting 2019. Um, they were building up a really good prospect pool and there was some excitement there. But I think as every year, comes and goes with another first round playoff exit. And then you see what um, happened this year with kind of the disappointment and the fire Dean Evison a um, couple of that with the extensions that they signed early the season that maybe some fans wondered what it was, it was too early um, for that. Um, and you had obviously the, the uh, investigation HR investigation that they did uh, uh, with the outside investigation for a firm to look into him. So, a lot of things maybe have maybe um, taken a little bit more of a hit as far as from the fans' perspective. They're either still hopeful um, that this is the guy that can turn things around and build a winner here, like he's part of the winning front office in Pittsburgh. But um, 
it certainly probably isn't quite as high on him as they were maybe a year and a half ago, um, all things considered. You talk about the investigation, I, and, and I, we're not an investigative reporting team here, the, the investigative reporters for the Minnesota Wild, Craig Morgan and Steve Peters, but but do you get a sense, one, that that's over and, and that the Wild are putting it behind it? Because, and I'll, I'll be honest, Chris O'Hearn's a friend of the program. He was a stick boy for the, the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. He came up through this franchise. He was a member of this staff, and, and he's a really good friend of the program, and we were all kind of surprised. Do you get a sense of what happened? Is it over? And surprising that Bill Guerin came out of this, not only scot-free, but now is the GM for Team USA. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, they're two separate um, investigations or two separate issues there. Um, I guess I'll handle uh, Bill first. Um, you know, they had that um, investigation held by a firm outside the organization, uh, investigate um, alleged verbal abuse um, made by uh, team services or director of team travel, um, Andrew Height, um, back in, I think it was November. Um, and it seems as though it's it's done as far as like the, the NHL looked into it, NHLPA looked into it. Um, both sides told the, the athletic that uh, there were no disciplinary action coming and they considered it kind of closed. And the Wild obviously came away from that investigation figure finding that there was no fireable offense in that particular situation. So um, you know, there's no like lingering as far as continued investigation is from a league or a PA's perspective. So, um, obviously height doesn't work for the organization anymore, you know, uh, likely came to a, a settlement there, but, um, so yeah, that, that appears as far as trouble is concerned or is with the league or, or anything like that, or the team, um, is over with, um, obviously it's not something that's probably forgotten by, by people or by the fans or, by people who are um, around the organization, but he seems like he's in a, in a good standing with the team. Uh, Chris O'Hearn got a chance to know him like you guys have the last couple of years, a very impressive, uh, very intelligent uh, front office executive and their cap guy, uh, cap guru, and did a lot of, lot of negotiations with the team. Um, that was a separate um, investigation done, and uh, they obviously were decided to part ways mutually is what the, kind of the release said at the time. And I, I Craig knows that from his experience, there are a lot of things that you hear that you cannot report. And so you kind of have that figured out or nailed down. So I'd be, you know, I would be remiss by doing anything more than what I can say right now is that they um, obviously found an error in judgment there for that to happen because um, it was kind of a surprise to all of us because he was on the last road trip before this happened and answering questions to reporters and handling day to day cap stuff and Rodine coming off IR or whatever. And it, it, it no sense that there was him being in, a, in, in trouble or being, if usually if somebody's being investigated, they're away from the team or doing something else. And he was just around the group the whole time. So um, yeah, it's uh, obviously a big blow to a very small front office for the wild. And you've had central registry helping with the cap situations um, this year while they don't have uh, anybody in the interim, I guess for him. So um, obviously a lot of respect for Chris and, um, and you know, you wonder you, if, whether, uh, the next step might be for him. Um, but, uh, clearly it was a kind of a tumultuous time for the front office in that one month or so span, considering the front office isn't very deep as far as they have one main analytics, uh, director, Matt sells, they have the Iowa G- GM, uh, Murray. Um, but they've all had to kind of play, uh, different roles. Plus they had to get a new travel or somebody had to step in for the travel and, director kind of thing too, which you guys know is a very, more than just a travel guy, right? It's, it's a team services. It's handling everything from players perspective. So, um, 
definitely added to kind of a very tumultuous time of the organization at that point that when Dean Evison was fired as well. Yeah, I know. You look at Dean Evison in that. And, and from the show, we wish Chris the best of luck and hope to see him back in the NHL really soon. The the one thing I know being from Minnesota is that the perception of Minnesota nice and, and people always wanted it's just the Minnesota way is doing things the right way. So I'm curious if, if we'll see over time how this affects that front office as things continue to progress there. Um, but thanks for answering that question. I know that was a little bit a little bit off the path for this staff. Sorry for rambling. I tried to figure out a way to, to break it all down. It's well, like, great. You rarely have. Great. Two, we wish Chris the best of luck and, and hope to yeah. see him back in the NHL real soon. Joe, we're going to talk uh, ourselves about what the Coyotes are going to do at the March 8th trade, trade deadline very soon. But you know, I know you guys have reported that Pat Maroon underwent successful back surgery. He's going to be out four to six weeks, but may still be available to teams interested at the deadline. Overall, what are you seeing? And I, I know it may be a little early to talk this because if the Wild climb back in, it could alter the picture. But what do you foresee for the Minnesota Wild at the March 8th trade deadline? Well, I think as of like a few weeks ago when, when Spurgeon went down, um, for the especially for the rest of the regular season, there was a thought, you know, even from Garen himself, that they were going to look towards, you know, finding a replacement or finding some help on the blue line. Um, you know, I think the problem was at that point, there's not a lot of pending UFAs that are going to come up and come very cheaply, uh, knowing how the market is at this particular point. And so I think that there's been a sense of maybe things have um, changed in that where they got his home from uh, off waivers for Winnipeg Jack. So he might make his debut um, as we recorded this tonight against the Penguins or come some soon. A guy they can have either for this year and for next year to see if he can add some um puck moving ability and some depth in the blue line. So favorite to play 30 minutes a night. Um, so I think right now um, they're kind of a wait and see approach. Uh, I don't see them making any big moves as far as uh, major additions. Um, a big, they don't have the cap space to be a big buyer and they don't really want to give up a lot of futures um, right now. So that kind of takes them out of a lot of the bigger names concerns. So, um, and if the wild go on a three game losing streak, all of a sudden, um, that can make him more into sell mode. So I think the last two games before the break when they lost uh, blue leads against uh, the Ducks, of course, and uh, the Predators really kind of – if they were, if I were Bill Guerin, that would tell me a lot about this team. Um, you know, can they be a, a playoff contender? Can they make a, a move? So uh, I think right now they're waiting to see more likely to be a seller if they continue to kind of um, struggle going into it. They don't have a lot of really chips they can – the trade maybe pat maroon uh, could still be traded even though he won't be playing before the trade deadline uh it's veteran piece you know brandon duhame's an option zach bogosian's uh pending rfa or pending ufa right shot defenseman if they don't resign him so they don't have a lot of big name guys they can move like the tanums of the world but um they're very much kind of in limbo I mean, they may not be as much of a buyer necessarily i don't know what the coyotes are planning on doing uh, they're both in similar positions i think um uh, in the standings but uh, right now, they're kind of, as we talk today, see how this next uh, couple of weeks stretch goes before they make a final decision, whether they're a little bit of sellers or um, see if there's something on um, a little more in the bargain ways they can add at the deadline. Mm, sounds similar in many ways to what the Coyotes are thinking right now. Joe, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and put a little more focus on the Coyotes. I know you got the opportunity to speak to NHL PA Executive Director Marty Walsh recently one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you can all find that story in that athletic, by the way. Um, 
Let's touch on some of the main topics. We already know about four nations in the Olympics. Now that that announcement, of course, was made at the uh, All-Star game. But let's touch on a couple of these things quickly. Um, I was I was really interested, actually, to, to talk about the, the the gambling angle of this. What 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 would you characterize as the tenor of that conversation with Marty Walsh regambling? I think it was a, a, a big topic. He did this um, fall players tour where his plan was to see every single meet every single player in the league by Christmas or right around then. And he saw all 32 teams on his travels and had dinners and conversations with them and one-on-ones and big groups. Um, and a number of topics came up like the CBA and uh, Olympics and Arizona, which I'm sure we'll touch on later, but you know, I think there's a lot more uh, of an education with players who may or may not have been up to speed on the gambling rules um, regarding to the CBA. And so they, um, a lot, of t- a lot of this conversation was more re-education, reaffirming what the rules are. I don't think that they think players obviously played too much attention to the rules before. Like not that they were breaking the rules, but they just didn't really know the nitty gritty until the Shane Pinto uh, investigation and suspension came down. So I think if you read our kind of players poll we did, anonymously, two hundred players in the league, a lot of the responses were um, in that poll whether we, league's rules on gambling were clearly explained to them. A lot of them said yes. A lot of them said yes with a caveat of a lot more detail or they got a lot more better understanding after they learned from the Pinto investigation, which obviously wasn't him directly gambling on NHL or hockey, but like a proxy kind of situation where somebody used his account kind of deal. So I think um, there wasn't a lot of stern talking by Wall Street players and more of an education or reaffirming, hey, what's this? What does this mean? Or most guys you talk to say, yeah, just don't bet on hockey. It's a pretty easy rule, but uh, common sense. But um, obviously that was more of a gray area situation with him, which kind of raised some eyebrows around the league as far as players concerned of what to do, what not to do. Oh, I think Craig, is Craig muted, Joe? I'm muted, uh, but two other topics. Uh, the Coyotes will be the last one, of course, because he had some pretty strong words about the Coyotes, but the CBA. And, and listen, you and I both know that when beat writers talk to people, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make its way in. I don't know if any of that stuff is is for discussion, mm-hmm. but when you look ahead to the next CBA, do you have any inkling what the major issues are going to be from the PA angle? Well, I mean, I guess the the number one one a lot of times is you know, whether it's escrow, um, making sure they can each side can be made whole in that respect. Um, obviously, there's a big talk about, you know, growing the game and growing the HRR so um, the players can get uh, better represented with that. Um, that's always going to be a negotiation. Uh, the Olympics were a big part of it, of course, which are already, already hand- handled in the last uh, CBA, at least for the current um, cycle of Olympics going forward. Um I think you're seeing a lot of different work the PA has done as far as mental health is concerned. Um, a lot of players um, going through that, more more conversation with the players about mental health and how to get um, themselves better with that. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of players going to the player assistance program, um, which is a very important vehicle. Um, you saw one of the Cowboys players, Connor Ingram, go through that and be successful. Um, so I think that the, the different topics for the CBA can kind of change based upon the year, but I think overall, what you're seeing and what I've noticed is a very, a very uh, even more cohesive PA. Um, you have one that um, the union boss who really feel, feels like he wants to be engaged with everybody um, and and really fight. You saw that with the Columbus situation, very hands-on 
uh, when something needed to be looked into and fixed fighting for players. So um, they have a strong, very opinionated uh, PA boss now. And what he's seen is really an engaged and energized leadership where a lot of players are taking even more ownership from a PA perspective that can only help them go into collective bargaining when they have all of them kind of speak it up more and, and, and having their voices heard. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into the Coyotes' current situation. I know Marty had some strong words overall at the All-Star game in, in the scrum, but you you spoke to him first. Um, first off, maybe just characterize his feelings about the situation and your take on his approach to this situation. Well, I think you take it like we talked before, Craig, like, you know, his kind of job is to kind of advocate for his membership, which is the players, right? Um, so he has that's where his hat is coming from in these comments, but he's obviously shown his frustration um, with the Coyotes in terms of how slow things are perceived to be going there. And you've been covering that saga since it started, so you know more than anybody. Um, just for him, he made visits to, to Arizona and um, you know thought, like a lot of people, that there would have been a plan uh, by now. And so I think he's speaking for half the players, a lot of them who were the ones who are more disappointed um, that they don't have um, an NHL building or plan for an NHL building quite yet. And and he was more disappointed, I think, that he wasn't necessarily kept in the loop um, from leadership perspective. Um, Alex Morello and uh, Gutierrez, you know, there. So I think that was a big part of his thing was like he didn't feel like the, he called it like LPA is not a throwaway organization, quote unquote, that they should be not that they have to be told every single thing, but he felt like he's considering how much he's been public about his feelings about Arizona, both when he was optimistic and obviously he's more disappointed last time he spoke to so that's about it. I think he's his approach is definitely trying to ramp up um, maybe kind of the pressure to get some more things moving and more communication there from the county side. And you can argue the other side too, that they don't have to keep him necessarily in the loop, but he just feels from a big, uh, the, the players are who he's advocating for. And there's players obviously in, our, in that team um, that he's advocating for and players on the league who uh, obviously see it as a, a situation where they want to have the HR go back up and they know that having a, a team playing in that building isn't kind of sustainable over a long period of time. So um, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but we might, you might have news in the next couple of days that'll change the narrative. But for right now, he's going to be advocating for his players and, and the disappointment lies in there. Yeah. Just to lend a, a little more context to that, you know, when Marty Walsh was out here last season, um, he met with the Coyotes and, and I think he was under the understanding at that point that they were going to keep him updated. But l- listen, a lot of things happen, right? Like uh, Marty Walsh, has spoken pretty publicly about the Coyotes, and I don't think the Coyotes like some of the things he was saying. So I'm, I'm sure that led to sort of a cutoff in communication. The, the other side that that probably should be mentioned as well, and I confirmed this with Jonathan Weatherden, who you know is the spokesperson for the PA, uh, Marty Walsh hasn't actually requested a meeting or a phone call with the Coyotes for updates. So maybe he could pick up the phone too. But as you mentioned, this is Marty Walsh's job to advocate and Marty Walsh is a politician. He's the former mayor of Boston. He understands the power of rhetoric. The the PA really doesn't have any power to enact anything with this situation. The one power that Marty Walsh has is his voice, and it's been very strong. So, like, I know people are criticizing Marty Walsh here locally. Marty Walsh is doing his job. This is exactly what he's supposed to do for the players. So I don't know if you have anything further to add on that, or we can just move on to the next topic. Yeah, I mean, I, I just echo your sentiments. Like, obviously, uh, it's probably as strong as you've heard a, a PA boss came about came up about a team um, currently in the league. So uh, I can see why people, especially in Arizona, were upset about that or fans were upset about it. 
Um, I don't think he would make anything personal by it. Uh, it's more so just a frustration that's been building over time, not just, I'm sure with him, I'm sure if you ask the league office, you know, uh, not publicly, but like they'd be some frustration there of, of wanting to get something done there. And I think, I think Walsh has said to me too, he was, he's still like, they're still hopeful. They're still, they want to see it work there. It's a very important market. They, I mean, there's a reason why that they're still there. And um, so I think they see that as a very good opportunity. They just wish that it, this had moved along quickly, which I'm sure you'll probably say the Coyotes do too. <laughs> well, I'm going to bring this back to Minnesota, Arizona connections and get to get away from the politics in arena. Cause goodness knows we talk about the arena way too much here in, in, in our show. So if you, if you look at the Arizona Coyotes roster right now, with the addition of Matt Dumba, we've got Nick Bugstead, Jason Zucker, and the, the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher. We've got Logan Cooley in the roster. So from your perspective, Joe, who is going to be that next great Minnesota player that will have an impact on the Arizona Coyotes? Wow, that's a good one. Um does it have to be a current wild player? Do I have to trade a player right now? To, no, to you, and don't say you can't. You, the only thing you can't say is Suter and Parisi because no, okay, Just no, yeah, the Coyotes Parisi. are not in that business anymore. <laughs> Parisi might be. He's still he's still playing. He just passed. I Bill know. Garen played for, last uh, night. Number eight all the time. Um, <laughs> I would try to. I'll try to figure about a draft prospect. Uh, maybe a gopher. I'm trying to think of who would be there that's not already oh, drafted yeah. by the um, by the. NHL because Oliver Moore is already picked. Snuggerwood's obviously trying to think of somebody else there. Oh, Snuggerwood would have been a good fit here too. Oh, you sure? Um, no, Boldy, no, yeah, no. Bold, Boldy is under seven-year contract, so I don't think he's going to. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think of who we got. A lot uh, of Russians coming too. Kaprizov might be happy here. We got we got Simashev boot coming over. Like maybe, maybe no, no. Okay, I, I, well, you sit and think I, on that one, Joe, because they've will, had huge impact a little bit. <laughs> Bukestad had the hat trick in, in uh I know. They've all had so. major contributions, and it goes way back to Zabenik McCulloch, who, who ended up being one of the franchise stalwarts and block shots and defending and penalty killing here that we actually stole from the Minnesota Wild as well. So thank you to to, to Minnesota the Wild and the Gophers. All right, it was let's... funny, earlier early on when they were talking about you know, making a trade at the deadline, I was talking with Russo, like, wouldn't have been wouldn't have been funnier or, or cool if the Wilds were going to go after Matt Dumba at the deadline after everything that's gone on <laughs> in the last 10 years. Well, yeah, they need um, defensive help. There you go. Uh, they know him. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that was just kind of like a fun narrative to think about if they were actually going to need big buyers at deadline. I was like, just bring him back. Yep. Um, Slip right in. Get yeah. his stall back in the locker. And I suspect he'll be on the move somewhere. So, you know, just letting you know who's available. All right, let's let's get to the last order of business, the game against the Wild, as PD mentioned on Valentine's Day. Um just general thoughts on what to keep an eye on, what to watch against the Minnesota Wild when the Coyotes play them at Mullet Arena on Valentine's Day. Well, I mean, like you mentioned, it's obviously going to be a big swing game, right, in the standings, uh, two teams vying for a playoff spot. And uh, Arizona obviously came into the, the Wilds building and won um, before the breaks. So that was a big win for them. So I, I think at that particular point, and if the Wild continue to maybe play a little better here, like I think you're going to look at uh, how is their – their top six performing top six didn't really play particularly well in Chicago in that game where they could have easily lost that game. Um, other night, um, against the Blackhawks, a, a very a poor Blackhawks team. So I think if you're that game, they're going to need guys like the bully, the free of the world to really step up because it's a very tough building to play in, um, often a close game, um, there. So I think looking for 
some contributions from those guys, I think would be very important if they're going to get out of that, that place with much needed two points and, and much needed two points in regulation too. They want to keep on playing these two points, give their team one point game when you're chasing between five teams um, for a playoff spot. So it should be a fun one though. And I, and I hear Craig's taking me out for beers afterwards. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Nice candlelight <laughs> dinner on Valentine's day with Joe and Craig <laughs> somewhere bougie. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Well, Joe, can't thank you enough. I know this is going to be a really important matchup for these two teams. That the, the runway for the playoffs is getting very, very, very short for both of these teams, and these points are going to be incredibly valuable for both. Joe, thanks for your time. Thanks for talking a little bit of Minnesota, a little bit of the Wild, and a little bit of arena news. Um, you take care, and we'll see you next Tuesday, and thanks for your time. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, I'll enjoy this 50-degree Minnesota weather for a little while before I hit the, the Vegas and uh, Arizona trip. So looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast and then jump over to, to the PHNX YouTube channel. Subscribe there so you don't miss any of the video content that Craig Lee and I put out. Uh, appreciate a like and a follow. Follow Craig Morgan at Craig S. Morgan. Follow me at S. Peters Hockey. Follow the show at PHNX underscore Coyotes. And until next time, we'll see you at the rink.